Welcome to the new Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, the wonderful private company owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission is to formulate litters that keep cats using the litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give their kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. With Dr. Elsie's support, The Cat Chat Show brings you interviews with cat authors and experts, some old favorites, some new conversations, so you can better understand and appreciate your own feline family members. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of My Cat Film Festival, short films from around the world that celebrate kitty cats. Here's some exciting news. Thanks to Dr. Elsie's, you can now see streaming versions of the Cat Film Festival for free on Amazon Prime and Tubi TV. Hope you enjoy listening and watching. I am here with Dr. Kelly Savarino, who's a resident in dentistry and the oral surgery service at the University of Pennsylvania Veterinary School, known to be the, the highest gold standard of veterinary teaching and care, luckily also care for those that live in the neighborhood. Dr. Kelly, welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you here. Well, thank you very much for having me. I was fascinated by the article that, that U, U of P sent me about this particular kitty, Jack's, and this emergency oral surgery, and I could tell the story, but you tell it better. I mean, all of a sudden this person goes to work and comes back, and the, the cat's flat on its back, bleeding from its mouth, just like, you know, like death's door kind of thing. So talk, and, and they brought the kitty, Jax, to, to Ryan Hospital, which is part of U of P, and then you came into the picture. So first talk a little bit about the um, the uh, sudden emergent problem of a cat or a dog with with a dental problem how how often does that happen is it rare or not uncommon i think true emergencies life threatening emergencies as far as the oral cavity goes are pretty uh, few and far in between but things that cause people to come in for some urgent change or a patient that's suddenly painful is more common um, so Jacks in particular came in for he had a chronic history of some oral disease, just inflamed gums and maybe some quote-unquote bad teeth, but what brought him in suddenly is that he had been traumatizing his face so significantly that he became very swollen, and then he also came in for oral bleeding. So we see really commonly animals coming in for bleeding from the mouth, pain uh, or inability to open their mouth or to stop eating suddenly from dental problems that have been there for a long time. And I guess that's one of the questions that, that often comes up, particularly around cats, although the the, the more uh, stoic dogs as well, which is mm-hmm. it doesn't just happen suddenly. As you say, it happens right. over a long time. What ki- and, and we'll talk about, Jackson, this dramatic total, total tooth removal you had to do on this poor kitty. But then, of course, he felt a lot better. But what are some of those really critical signs and symptoms that people simply don't notice? And and if you caught it earlier, the animal wouldn't be in pain for a long time, and you might not have to be as right. radical in your treatment. I think it's hard because cats are probably the most stoic of them all and really mask their signs until they're very severe. But I think cats that are in pain are those that 
are a little bit reluctant to interact with their owners at times, that would probably be the first thing that you would notice, that maybe they're sleeping in unusual places or sleeping more so than normal, not as willing to come and be pet and interacted with. Um, cats that are, it, when it you know pertains to the oral cavity specifically, cats that try to eat their food and it drops out of their yes, mouth is yes. an early sign that it hurts, but they keep eating for a long time. Um, and most cats, I would say, don't paw at their mouth when their mouth hurts. They kind of just get a little bit more quiet. But we've seen it, you know, where cats, after they eat, especially if they have loose teeth and they're eating and the teeth are shifting, it's irritating to them, and they start to paw at the mouth a little bit. I think a smell, too. I mean, periodontal disease in general is the most common disease of cats and dogs because they don't have their teeth brushed routinely. So a lot of them have bad smells to the mouth. But if there's a sudden change where the owner says, oh, geez, all of a sudden you really notice the cat's got some bad breath, that would be an early clue that there's something changing inside and a vet should take a look. Almost like make an appointment this week kind of take a look, right? I mean, because the the cat's hurting, right? At at the point that any of us have ever had a bad tooth or a bad gum, the beginning of infection or even full-blown infection is really painful. And we aren't all that stoic. We moan and groan. And, you know, in the old cartoons, we used to, they used to tie like a turban around their head or something. Mm -hmm. You you said, so, so going into the vet, everybody's vet can easily diagnose and even potentially treat infection and periodontal disease. Is that true if it's not too far gone? I think so. Most clinics are seeing uh, the good that routine dental health has for their patients and so are getting the proper equipment to take dental radiographs and do extractions and cleaning. And so I think that most veterinarians, certainly most veterinarians, can look in the mouth and have a good assessment of how severe the situation is. And a lot of them also can perform the treatment. So in the case of this Kitty Jacks, who was in some pretty dire dire shape. You also mentioned that he'd been traumatizing his head and Mm -hmm. his mouth, Mm -hmm. and yet you said they don't usually paw at. So what would he have been doing, rubbing against walls or furniture or what? He was just scratching at his face. So he had all these scratches on the cheeks and on the chin. So he was just basically clawing at his face for a lot of that, just that that evening, you know, it wasn't for days and days. It was suddenly, and I think with him what happened is one of his teeth what became so loose that it, it shifted out of normal occlusion. And I think that bothered him so much that he was just trying to paw at his face to, you know, help the pain go away. Yeah, you're funny. And bothered him so much. We, we would say something like in agony, right? I mean, right. right? Yeah, I know you're sure. trying to be polite but and, and not, you know, alarm owners, but it is agony. If you have a loose tooth or a cracked tooth or a broken tooth, it's yeah. agonizing to the to the to the animal. I I, I had a one of my wine runners, Scooby Doo, who and it, it took me a while to figure it out. He would when the UPS guy came, he would bark and bark, go out and bark. Now when you open your mouth and you get a different temperature of air into your mouth, mm-hmm. which we all know when you have, you know, something really sore and wrong in your mouth that might need a root canal or something, hot or cold or is, is really painful, and it would make him be aggressive. And I and it was out of character. And then I thought, well, what if there's something in his mouth? And went in, and I had no other way of knowing it. And the vet found it fully cracked back tooth. Took him an hour to get it out. But you, you, yeah. it's funny how, not funny, haha. 
But there are things that if a dog or a cat's behavior, as you said, changes or even has mm-hmm. a change in reactions to things, it could be this pain in their mouth, right? Sure. And owners know their pets best, and they know the subtleties when things change. And so there's never anything wrong with just being sure and having them checked out. Because I I should never doubt, or I've learned a, a quick lesson being a veterinarian, never to doubt an owner's intuition, because they're usually always right. Well, yeah, because we're the ones that are cheek by jowl with them all the time. So one of the concerns, I'm guessing, is to eliminate the possibility of it being some kind of an oral tumor that would be cancerous. Right. And in Jax's case, that was pretty quickly ruled out, right, with x-rays? Well, we actually uh, were a little bit more nervous after we took the x-rays just because the bone looks so irregular. And oh. when tumors in the mouth invade the bone, you can see a lot of these lytic and, and changes to the architecture of the bone, which we saw with him. The only thing that didn't make sense is that it was basically all of the bone that was affected. And he has concurrent periodontal disease that was quite severe. So if you put those two together, that makes much more sense to be something infected or inflammatory rather than cancer, but we have seen things like lymphomas that have a more diffuse presentation that could cause the entire bone to look that way, but it would have been really rare. So that's why we took biopsies with Jax just to make sure that we weren't missing the bigger picture. And that was after you had done all the surgery or before? Kind of at the same time. So when we had the areas exposed to do extractions, we could take some pieces of uh, bone tissue and some soft tissue and, and send them for biopsy. And get an answer while the cat was still in anesthesia? Sadly, no. No, I wouldn't have thought so. results, yeah, they trickle in two to three days afterwards, um, which is still a really nice turnaround time. So we knew early on after he recovered that he didn't have cancer. And and in the case of having to remove all of his teeth, was it because the, the bone had deteriorated so badly it couldn't really hold the teeth in? Yeah, that, you know, for whatever reason, Jax is a more sensitive cat to plaque, and it just caused this huge inflammatory response and the longer that inflammation exists the more disease the bone becomes and so a lot of teeth were mobile and not really covered by much bone anymore sounds pretty pretty severe and and yeah and and to think this had been going on for maybe months or even longer right i mean it does... i think years for him yeah. i think if you look back at his history the owner had known you know from another vet visit that he had you know, bad teeth and bad gums. So this was years in the making, and it was a very severe case. So if any of us has a dog or a cat that has periodontal gum disease at any point, Mm -hmm. certainly young would be a a big tip-off, do you recommend prophylactically going for at least once a year, maybe even more, a teeth cleaning under anesthesia for an animal who clearly has either tissues or bones that are reacting negatively to life and and rea- and you know on the road to falling apart sort of for sure yeah i mean the treatment for that type of disease when it's that severe it has to be surgical therapy because there's nothing owners can do at home to reverse the process if you already have teeth that are not covered by healthy bone so the bone's not going to come back even if the owners begin brushing and doing everything they can so at that point yeah i mean cleaning and, and extractions when they're needed would be the recommendation. But just like with us, and we brush our teeth every day, hopefully everyone does, and that still doesn't uh, negate the need for a yearly cleaning of professional exactly. with your dentist. Exactly. So 
people who are amazing at taking care of their dog and cat Steve at home, which I commend them for their efforts, it's, a, it's only to kind of halt progression of disease. It's not a cure-all. Uh, hopefully, the, if we pay enough attention to the oral health, we can you know, save these animals from extractions. Um, but I, it's no substitute, I guess, uh, for yearly cleanings or every other year cleanings, you know, with the vet. A lot but of at people least it will save them right. hopefully from a lot of extractions over time, and and pain on the road to those extractions. I mean, the animal's going to exactly. suffer for some amount of time. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are frightened of having their dog or cat go under anesthesia for dental mm-hmm. work, and I don't know where this came from because I've never heard a statistic, whether it's just right. repeated or in the literature, saying that cats and dogs die during an oral ex- oral cleaning any more than they die during spay and neuter. It's it's quite straightforward mm-hmm. and well monitored. So I'm imagining that's something that you come up against. You obviously usually see things at a very late stage, and you probably mm-hmm. feel frustrated because it could have been avoided, some of it or a lot of it, by earlier intervention. How do we... Um, get people comfortable with the idea that their own vet, as you say, many have set up really good dental cleaning surgical suite mm-hmm. and they have the right kind of x-rays and they really understand and have the equipment to do a, a fine job for maintenance. How, how do we get people over that scared hump of anesthesia? Well, I mean, a healthy fear of anesthesia is not a bad thing. I think asking the right questions so that they, they need to feel comfortable before they engage in any procedure. That's, I think, on our end and their end, the, one of the biggest goals. So discussing with their local vet what kind of monitoring is going to happen during the anesthesia, making sure that the animal has pre-anesthetic blood work so we're not missing underlying conditions that would make them more of an anesthetic risk. Uh, for animals that have any degree of heart disease, it would be nice to have some chest x-rays before. So it's just being prepared for the worst-case scenario and making sure that uh, they're being adequately monitored. And then if those things all fall in line, anesthesia is relatively safe. Um, we do run into it a lot. Most of the patients that come to see us that have very bad teeth are older, so they have concurrent illnesses, but they right. do fine as long as they're monitored very closely. I mean, we have the luxury here of having board-certified anesthesiologists and anesthesia nurses that never take their eyes off of these patients, so I feel very confident in their abilities and luckily have not seen any negative effects of anesthesia while I've been here. But I think the stigma comes from incidences that happen, I think, when animals are not being monitored as well as we could be monitoring them. And because we have older animals that are usually the ones getting their teeth cleaned, perhaps there's, you know, other problems going on that either were missed or what, you know, whatever the circumstances. The last thing is that most of the time, because the disease is so progressive, as you said, the amount of time it takes to right. do these procedures is a long time. Um, ours are, range from three to four hours in anesthesia, wow. which is perfectly safe as long as they're being monitored. But that's what I think could happen as a potential problem is you have an older animal who requires three to four hours of anesthesia, and during that time, their blood pressure can get low, their temperature can get low, right. and people aren't watching and caring for those things, that's when you run into the problem. So one of the things in the article, which I will will certainly have with the podcast of this conversation, is that this surgery on Jax was three hours, which given how much you Mm -hmm. had to do, was like on the low end of your usual big interventions. (laughs) But you had something that that no vet has in their office, which is a whole team. 
So you have this skilled team, you have students, and you have anesthesiologists that do nothing but that, and nurses, Mm -hmm. and you had a lot of people on by by your side and working in as you point out or someone points out in the article oral surgery in cats is challenging you're working in a very tight tiny space so right. you're you're average, you know like you can't get their mouth any more open than it can go right. so anesthesiologists don't exist that i've ever heard of in in your average vet office the the your own vet has to do everything they have a vet tech which is great right. and they probably know right. how to read monitors but you don't have someone specialized in that and any of us who have we humans who have any kind of a surgical procedure, as you pointed out, there's, uh, you know, the monitoring during anesthesia is as important as the chest X-ray and the blood work beforehand. But how can mm-hmm. the vet have her or his fingers in the mouth and doing the extraction mm-hmm. and doing the sewing up and looking at X-rays and be watching those, those, those other signs and symptoms monitors really closely? Is that something that? that would suggest that if you have an older animal or more complex case, it would do well to go to a specialty hospital and work with a, an oral surgeon who does only that and has a team? I think so. I think um, it's really hard to do all of those things concurrently, yes. almost impossible, yes. and do a good job doing all of them. So I think if there's any concern, you know, especially if you have an animal that has concurrent organ disease and heart disease, it's nice to have all of the specialists under one roof to take care of that dog, you know. So that's the luxury we have here. And not all specialty emergency type specialty hospitals have oral surgeons. You guys are kind of a very a precious few. I mean, anyone who can get to Philadelphia and get an appointment that's great, but people are listening all over the country, and a, a lot of the specialty hospitals that have sprung up, which are great, they don't always have the, the dental piece of it, do they? Isn't it like the most precious heart? Maybe you you probably don't have an oncologist. You have an internist who does some oncology, and you have a neurologist and maybe a cardiologist, but the oral piece seems to be, are there fewer of you practicing, or is that just yeah, my it's, impression? It's more of an emerging specialty compared to some of the other ones, and there's probably about 160-some boarded dentists in the country compared to thousands of other different types of specialties. So it's definitely um, more, I guess, rare to have a dentist at your practice, but it's becoming in the larger areas, larger kind of more urban areas, larger hospitals, another piece of the puzzle that I think is becoming more popular well i think it's great as, as a resident there who knows if you'll stay there or go elsewhere but we're lucky to have you you dental veterinarians for these very complex cases and and i would say after listening to what jacks went through and what you were able to provide that anyone with that complicated of a situation it is worth a trip to a specialized oral surgeon and if you happen to be anywhere near philadelphia you get to go to the university of mm-hmm. pennsylvania and they they welcome your animals as part of their teaching, and as and there are of course a lot of doctors who are boarded and and stay there forever, teaching others and and honing their own skills. So, thank you so much, Dr. Savarino. I think this is a wonderful story of Jack's, and you did an amazing job. And I hope it's a, a, a it highlights for everyone to keep track of what their dog and cats are doing with their mouths, because if it's anything funny, fishy, or different, get to your own vet sooner rather than later, right? Right, exactly. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and affection for cats everywhere. 
It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, which has broken new ground by creating a healthy, dry, and canned food for kitties called Clean Protein, which is inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey. So your cat's appetite is satisfied longer without compromising her health. This is the first dry cat food I believe can be a healthy choice if you want to feed dry food to your cat, even as part of her diet. Although I recommend that canned food should always be your cat's primary diet. Feel free to reach out to me with questions or comments to radiopetlady at gmail.com. Now pop over to Amazon Prime or Tubi TV where you can watch streaming versions of the Cat Film Festival for free. Also thanks to Dr. Elsie's.